Thank you for listening to The Real Truth Podcast with Ruth Henderson, where we will dive into the powerful truth that the kingdom of heaven has for us. And now here's our host, Ruth Hendrickson. Today we're going to talk about attachments and soul ties. Now, quite honestly, this one's a little harder to do in a podcast, but it's a very, very powerful teaching and a freeing concept. Once we get our hands on it, we get our heads wrapped around it, and we understand what's going on here. So if you're willing, let's dive in and see what the Lord has. Psalm 62, 1 and 2 out of the New Living Translation says, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. And I also want to read it out of the Passion Translation. There it says, I stand silently to listen for the one I love, waiting as long as it takes for the Lord to rescue me. For God alone has become my Savior. He alone is my safe place. His wraparound presence always protects me, for he is my champion defender. There is no risk of failure with God. So why should I let worry paralyze me, even when troubles multiply around me? We could go so many different places with those two verses, but we're going to stay on track. I just love, I want you to hear this, I just love that the Lord is right there, that he alone is our safe place, that he is our protector, that he's our defender. And you know what? We can't fail with him. I just want you to let that sink in, that we cannot fail with God. So one of the questions we have to ask is, where does our soul find rest? For many of us, we search for rest in relationships. You know, we search for a longing, a belonging there. We search for acceptance. And some of these relationships that we find ourselves in are wonderful and they're life-giving. And others, they drain the very life right out of us. So what do healthy relationships look like? Why are unhealthy ones so damaging? Why do we feel attracted to people who we really shouldn't be attracted to? They're all questions that we have to answer at some point in our lives. That is, if we truly want to walk in wholeness with Jesus Christ. You see, in Deuteronomy 6.5, we're instructed to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And when we talk about our view of God, we also look at like God's desire for relationship with every single one of us. You see, he created us to have our primary relationship with him. And it is from that place that every other attachment, every other relationship, every other tie needs to flow. All through scripture, we see that idea of covenant. We see this concept, especially within the marriage union. In Malachi 2, 14 and 15, we find the prophet Malachi explaining. He says, you cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. You know, Derek Prince has a great quote that was said many, many years ago. And he basically explains that Israel had come to view marriage as a relationship for which they might set their own standards. Honestly, there's a lot of that going on today, too. Anyways, he, he went on and he said, one with which they were free to initiate or terminate on their own terms. God reminds them, however, that he views marriage quite differently. According to his, God's unchanging purpose, marriage is a covenant. This secret, which alone ensures the success of marriage relationship, once the secret is forgotten, 
or even ignored, the marriage will lose its sanctity and therefore also loses its strength and stability. And so this is important to recognize. And I want you to hear now, you know what? If you've had a marriage fall apart, there's no shame or condemnation. Yes, God's perfect plan is always for the marriage. But I fully understand it takes two people with a marriage to make a marriage work and to put one back together. So there's no shame or condemnation. So don't, don't, don't run away on me. And also, if you're single, this is going to apply to you too, because we're using the marriage to explain right now that type of tie. But we're also going to go into other types of relationships where actually these attachments or these ties can can happen. So don't don't fail yet. Um, so the Old Testament covenant always required the shedding of blood. And that's really explained in Hebrews 9, 16 to 22. In the New Testament, one of the great things is that we're covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And in the marriage covenant, each partner basically lays down his or her life for their spouse. Within marriage, of course, the partners have entered into a covenant, and therefore they form what we call a soul tie. So what is a soul tie? It's basically a cleaving together or a relationship in which two souls are joined or knitted together. And in a sense, they become one. We hear that language a lot in wedding ceremonies. One of the things that Peter Hoburn refers to a soul tie, he talks about is as a tube through which spiritual influence flows. So if we're talking in psychological terms and in the field of psychology, this concept can re be referred to as mind control, mind links, or soul links. And just be aware that some of this language crosses over and some of it doesn't. But we're talking about these connections, the way that we connect to other human beings. You know, David understood that there were connections that we had to deal with. He understood the concept of checking his heart and his soul. And he knew where his focus ultimately had to land. In Psalm 43, 5, out of the Passion Translation, he says, Then I will say to my soul, don't be discouraged. Don't be disturbed. For I fully expect my Savior God to break through for me. Then I'll have plenty of reasons to praise him all over again. Yes, living before his face is my saving grace. I just love that. He's talking to a soul. He's telling himself, don't be discouraged. Don't be disturbed. He's expecting God to break through. And he knows that as God breaks through, there will be so many reasons to praise and worship him. And then he ends with, yes, living before his face is my saving grace. You know, when we live before the face of God, when we really take that seriously, my goodness, we would keep out of trouble, wouldn't we? But let's get back to our topic at hand, which is soul ties and attachments. So basically, we're going to quickly talk about three types. The first type is like an intellectual or a platonic tie. General rule, these are, these are just basic attachments. This could be like a student-teacher relationship or mentor-mentee, employer-employee. You know, they're usually neutral. If they're healthy, they're neutral. They're usually outgrowing if there's some sort of connection there. And they dissolve naturally without a problem. In other words, you're there for a purpose. You're there to learn, to be mentored. You're the student. You're the teacher. There's a very specific purpose. And when that season is over, you each just go on your own way. No big deal. There's an attachment for a season. Now, we can also talk about types of soul ties and attachments that are ungodly and unhealthy. This would be things like fornication, and that includes more than just sexual intimacy. It can also include oaths, vows, things like that. You know, in 1 Corinthians 6, 16 to 20, it reads, 
Aren't you aware of the fact that when anyone sleeps with a prostitute, he becomes part of her and she becomes part of him? For it has been declared, the two become a single body. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. This is why you must keep running away from sexual immorality. For every other sin a person commits is external to his body, but immorality involves sinning against your own body. Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside your sanctuary. You are God's expensive purchase, paid for with tears of blood. So by all means then, use your body to bring glory to God. In verse 17, when it talks about one who has joined himself to the Lord, that's that concept of being knit together or actually welded together. In other words, you can't be separated. And I think that's really important. One who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one in spirit with him. We talk about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit, but sometimes we don't understand how powerful that is, that concept. And we go down to verse 20 and it says, You are God's expensive purchase paid for with the tears of blood. So then by all means, use your body to bring glory to God. We need to bring glory to God in every area of our lives. And of course, that was from the Passion Translation. So another way, when we're talking about um, unhealthy, ungodly soul ties, of course, rape. You know, I don't need to say anything more about that. That's That it always enters in, opens the door for an unholy and an um, ungodly soul tie. Let me say right now, if you've been raped, that can be broken. You carry the power and the authority to break that. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. You carry the power and authority to break it. Another place they come in is through oaths and verbal agreements, such as secret fraternities and things like that. Um, unholy alliances. So like 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 18 says, don't continue to team up with unbelievers in mismatched alliances. For what partnership is there between righteousness and rebellion? Who could mingle light with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and Satan? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What friendship does God's temple have with demons? For indeed, we are the temple of the living God. Just as God has said, I will make my home in them and walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. For this reason, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch nothing that is unclean and I will embrace you. I will be a true father to you and you will be my beloved sons and daughters, says the Lord, Yahweh Almighty. So it's important that we watch who we're mingling with, who we're mixing with, who we're forming alliances with. We don't take those things lightly. Another area that can, that can actually keep and solidify unhealthy ties is actually the whole concept of unforgiveness. Ephesians 6.26 says, But don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge, not even for a day. Of course, we have other areas that can lead to these unhealthy soul ties or attachments, such as when parents or other authority figures cross legal god godly boundaries. And that, of course, would be all areas of abuse. What about unhealthy friendships, such as codependent friendships? Um, or what about, um, let's, let's take a look at David, actually. Psalm 35, 11 to 12 says, Malicious witnesses testify against me. They accuse me of crimes I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good, and I'm sick with despair. Or Psalm 41, 9, Even my best friend, the one whom I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, has turned against me. 
Now it appears in this that David was innocent. However, we need to see that he still incurred damage to his soul. We see the same situation in individuals who were raped, molested, or abused by those they considered safe or trustworthy. The wound is always deeper when it comes from a friend. And I think we all know that. One of the things to understand, it's a little gold nugget right here, when we're, when we're saying, okay, how do I know if this relationship is healthy or unhealthy? Um, if there's any type of a connection there, if there's anything that needs to be broken, a little key is fear of a person with whom you're in a relationship with is a likely indicator that there may be an ungodly soul tie that has formed with or without our knowledge. So as we look at this, we could note that many of the ungodly or unhealthy soul ties that we have discussed can be summarized within a few verses of scripture. And we're going to find this in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. I'm going to read it out of the New Living. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild party, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So did anyone come to mind with whom you've had an ungodly or an unhealthy relationship or soul tie? If so, just jot it down if you have some paper nearby. And what God will do is he's going to hold these until the end when we can begin to pray. So let's talk about godly soul ties, because if there's ungodly, unhealthy, that means that there's godly and healthy, and they're much more fun to talk about. So basically, a godly, healthy, or life-giving soul tie is one that is sanctioned by God and functions within God-ordained legal boundaries in both the area of relationship and in the area of covenant. This type of soul tie has a settling or peaceful influence. So an example would be marriage. How about family, close friendships like Jonathan and David or Ruth and Naomi? How about brothers and sisters in Christ? In proper balance and in health, they're all examples of relationships which should have a godly connection or a soul tie. We go back to our scripture in Galatians 5. Paul goes on. He keeps going. And in verse 22, he says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living in the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of another. We also have to understand that even though we can have a relationship that's godly, that it's healthy, that it's life-giving, if we don't tend to it, if we don't care for it, if we don't maintain it, then they can actually go from godly and healthy. Actually, then they can go ungodly and unhealthy, even though the initial formation was good and it was healthy and it was within God's standards. This can be an area of confusion because we can look at a relationship and say, wow, that was so good, that was so healthy. But you know what? Something just happened in the midst of it where it got tweaked a little bit. It went the wrong direction. Sometimes it just takes a course change and everything's back on track. Or sometimes it does mean that the relationship has to end. But either way, we always want to go for health. So as we look at this road to freedom, there's a great quote by Ellen Rose Penn in her book, Soul Ties. She says, visualize these as issues which tie up the soul as the skin layers of an onion. 
You can peel back one layer, but it only exposes something deeper and more insidious. These layers of the soulish realm become difficult to separate into separate distinct events, because the root of any soul tie is always deeper than what is apparent. For example, a relationship soul tie may be deeper than just the two people involved. A woman whose heart has been broken by a man may have difficulty forgiving that man from the heart because of an unresolved issue with her father. In such a case, just severing the soul tie with the man is never enough. The soul is tied intricately to so many letdowns and hurts that an issue which strengthens one tie may get entangled with an altogether different soul tie, the one having everything to do with the other, yet either having very little to do with one another in times of time, place, or thing. So you'll see that they can be very intricate and they can become intertwined. So with that, when we look at this whole thing of attachments and soul ties, the first questions we have to ask ourselves is, do I really want to be free? In some cases, that's an easy answer. and others, it's really difficult. So we wonder what freedom looks like and what will the cost be? So what we're talking about is things that connect us to other people, which can be healthy or can be unhealthy, which can be godly or ungodly. So there's a term for those that we use within the emotional healing community, and that's called soul ties. And so a, a similar word that's used in the psychiatric community would be like attachments. So what are the attachments that we have in our lives or the soul ties that we have in our lives that, that are healthy? We want to that, that align with the word of God. We honor those and we bless those. But those that need to be broken, you see, in the kingdom of heaven, if we're attached to someone that we shouldn't be attached to, we can ask the Lord to break those. And then, of course, also we may have to make adjustments to those relationships. There can also be areas of forgiveness that are involved. And so we need to be aware of that also. So as we've been going through this, like I said, it's a more difficult podcast teaching because I'm having to take it and pull it down into about 20 minutes. And we can't fully unpack it. And I usually do visuals and all that. But let me say this to you. If there's somebody that Holy Spirit brought to mind while, while I was talking and it's just like something seems off in that relationship, we don't want to blame. We just want to declare freedom. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me, just encourage you to enter in. And maybe you'll need to go through this a, a few times, but that's okay. You see, the thing is, the Lord wants us free. You were created to soar. And when we're attached to others in unhealthy ways, it's pretty difficult to soar with all that extra baggage. So let's just pray. We're going to start with, with um, asking for forgiveness and move from there. So Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we confess any area of unforgiveness is sin. And we renounce all sins that, are, that involve unforgiveness that we've held, that unforgiveness that we've held against a friend or a spouse or a coworker. You would need to fill in that name. We give up our rights to be angry with them, and we choose this day to forgive them for wronging us and for the ways that they've hurt us, and we make a choice to forgive them as well, because, Lord, we do not want to be caught in bondage. And so the power and authority given to me through the true Lord Jesus Christ, we break all unnatural authority, manipulation, domination, or control exercised over us. We just speak freedom and healing. We loose ourselves completely and we turn away from the wrongful holds that this relationship has on us. We bring every aspect of this relationship into the light 
and under the authority of Jesus Christ. And we make a decision based on who our God is, based on the power of the kingdom of heaven, because we believe that we can pull heaven down to earth. We choose to bless that person because, Lord, your word says that the blessing always outweighs the curse. So where we have cursed, God, we just ask your forgiveness and we release blessing. We release a hundredfold blessing because, God, we want to soar. We want to soar on the wings of eagles. We want to step into all you have for us. We just want to see the fullness of who you are and the goodness. Lord, we, we just look to you and we honor you. So, Father, we just ask that you break that tie, that you bring your cleansing, that you just restore to each one of us what's ours and send back to the other person what's theirs, just all cleaned up and blessed. Because, God, we want to be a people of wholeness and blessing. So we just look to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're out of time, but real quick, basic steps to breaking a soul tie. Just jot down the names of people who God brings to you. Don't go searching. Let Holy Spirit bring them up. Forgive anyone that you need to forgive. Repent and confess your part in relationship, because we always have a part. Ask the Lord's forgiveness. Break the soul tie in the name of Jesus Christ. Ask the Lord to cleanse and restore every portion of your soul that's been broken. And ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with his love and his wisdom. Because again... We were created to be in relationship. Remember that. This is who God made us to be, to be in relationship. But it's really important that the relationships that we're in are whole and healthy and God-honoring. The world is watching us. So here's the thing. Any unhealthy connections, soul ties, deal with them. Ask the Lord to break them. Cleanse them. Walk in freedom. Forgive where you need to forgive. And know again that you were created to soar. And we can show freedom to the world, what, what this looks like, and that there is hope. So be so blessed and be sure to join me again next week. Are you interested in learning more about emotional healing and deliverance? Check out Ruth's Masha Equals at RuthHenderson.com.